Hi guys, it's Yara here. Instead of opting for some intro music, I just wanted to say something important about this episode. This episode is very dear to me. This episode was very shocking, was very difficult for my guest to talk about, and I want to give it as much weight as it deserves. I am going to warn you now verbally that there is very graphic content that is described graphic descriptions of violence and abuse, and I want you guys to proceed at your own risk of hearing this. Thank you. This episode, I want to tackle something that I've previously talked about, maybe on a superficial level, in details. But in this episode, I have a guest who is courageous enough and brave enough to talk about something that needs to be heard by a lot of people in our backward society. Um, I'm gonna leave the floor to her to introduce herself as she pleases. And for the sake of this episode, we will not be mentioning anyone's name. Hi, uh, I'm a student in Lebanon, and I'm Jordanian. Um, I'm here to share my story because I really want to bring to light and the different things that can happen at home and how you honestly have a choice sometimes, even if it's a very hard one. But I want to share my story, hoping it raises awareness. And if someone's going through something similar, it helps them. I really do hope it does. Take a breather. Why don't we start with, you know, where, where you were born, where you were raised? Okay, so I was born and raised in Qatar my entire life. I went to the same school my entire life. I lived in the same home my entire life. Uh, Yet I never felt stability. I never felt safe. Um, And why is that? That is because I had a father or I have a father that consistently took out his anger on his family. Uh, In what sense you may think? Um, honestly, ever since I was a child, I, um, I had to grow up from actually a very young age because I saw some things that I never understood, some things that, um, really stood out to me. And I was like, why is this happening? Is this normal? And, um, you know, my, my dad would have these rage fits and where you, you see it in his eyes when he gets angry. He wants to hurt you. He will not stop until he sees that he broke you. And the sooner you show him that he broke you, the sooner the violence would stop. Um, I've seen violence um, towards my mom, towards my sister, towards myself. And sometimes the violence wasn't only physical, it was emotional as well. He was very manipulative and um, he always made you feel like you're sitting in a box and you cannot leave the box without him and you do not belong anywhere except in that box and there's nothing you can do about it. You were his property, you had no choice, you had no say and what he says goes. For example, um, I, I remember this once Uh, we had actually uh, a maid in our house for the longest time, like 
that I've been growing up. And um, whenever, for example, he wanted to punish my mom for no reason, he was just in a bad mood, uh, he would he would make the maid uh, stop working. He'd tell her, do not clean anymore. And then my mom, who has a lot of medical conditions, including a disc, including she can barely hold herself up as it is, uh, he would tell her that she had to clean all three floors of the house. And my maid was supposed to just sit and watch and not help her even just carry a bucket or help her carry the laundry or anything like that. She just had to sit and watch. And I remember this once uh, because my mom is very weak. Uh, she fell from the third floor to the second floor, like a flight of stairs on her back. And she was crying and I could see all the bruises and he had no mercy. He just looked at her and he was like, if you need a bit to rest, you can, but I can. I expect by the end of the day, the house should be cleaned. Not that our house was ever not clean. He just would do it just to see her in pain. You know, for a very long time growing up, I was a child, I was like, what, 10 years old? I would go to sleep every single night. My, my pillow full of tears, just wishing I wouldn't wake up the next day. Just take a breath. Take your time. Yeah, as I was saying, I would go to sleep every night just wishing I wouldn't wake up the next day. Because I thought no matter what it is out there, it must be better than what I'm going through. Anything could be better than seeing my mom, my sister, and myself constantly living according to someone's mood, my dad's mood. You know, if he was happy for five minutes or 10 minutes, we had to be happy, we could not be sad, you know, because that would change his mood and then we, can, we have to face his wrath, you know? So we just do whatever he wanted. It was like we were puppets, honestly. Actually, another example I can give uh, was during my freshman year, um, I came back for winter break and uh, I was out with my mom to, to go to a mall shopping and he told us that by 4 p.m. sharp, we have to be home. And that's the thing with my dad. He, whenever he gives you a curfew, he does not care if you're 30 seconds late. You're 30 seconds late, there's there's a punishment coming your way. So we reached like 4.03 and uh, it was just because we were parking the car right in front of the house and it was a tight space, but he didn't care. He was like, you had a curfew at four and it's 4.03. So he starts screaming at my mom and then he slaps her. And I was in my room and I, I hear, and my room is right next to the living room, and I hear this sudden drop of silence. And the next thing I know, my sister is going upstairs because actually that was a very common thing whenever there was violence going on and we were children. We'd just stand next to the stairs and, and listen because we want to go up, but we're, we're extremely scared. We're children and my dad is strong and 
we wouldn't have a fighting chance next to him, you know? And we wouldn't even think to fight back because that would only make it worse. Actually, he expected whenever he'd beat us up, we take it and we don't fight back and we don't even try to shield ourselves, you know? You just take it and then when it stops, it stops. Um, so m- my sister goes upstairs and she's angry. She's really angry. She's like, did you hit my mom? And then he was like, yeah. And what are you going to do about it? If I want to, I'll hit her again. And he proceeds to move forward to hit her again. And my sister tries protecting her. So she just pushes him back so that she can protect my mom. She can become in the middle between my, yeah, the barrier between my dad and my mom. And he goes crazy. He starts hitting her and hitting my mom. And I'm trying to interfere and push my dad off of my mom and my sister. But with a simple push, I would fly across the room. And he, like, I was just, I don't know. I I can never erase the memory of seeing the way he was beating them up. He would not stop. He, You could see it in his eyes. He's getting a kick out of it, you know? And I, I just would see how... He, he like, there was chunks of hair on the floor. He was stepping on their heads and literally with his foot, just stepping on their heads. And he, he got a kick out of it. You could see that he wasn't doing it just because he was mad. It was because he wanted to show that he's in control, no matter what. No matter if you think you can try to fight, he, he's always in control and you can't do anything. And when he stops, when he got tired, um, I carried my sister with my mom to the ER where my sister stayed in the ER for three days because the amount of stress and the amount of hurt that she was in, she just couldn't, she couldn't just get herself up and go back, you know? She stayed there for three days and he never bothered to call or check up on her or visit her in the hospital. And that's the thing about my dad, you know, after he exerts violence and after he's done everything he wants, he doesn't feel remorse, doesn't feel compassion. He he feels like he wants to prove a point further to continue to exert violence even after that incident. And he would never come forward or apologize or show that he's sorry in any way, you know? He would always like, you know? He's like, you know, no matter what he does to you, you have to act normal. You have to apologize uh, to do, for doing something and that he had to show like basically rabbike, you know? Like he never apologized and said like, I went out of line actually. I, I shouldn't have gone this far. I'm sorry. It was a moment of anger. No. Everything he does is justifiable, you know? In his book. In his book. And that's the thing. I Ever since like I was a child, honestly, if you ever look at my grades, if you ever look at my performance, I just never cared. I never cared for my grades. I never cared to study. I had no motivation whatsoever because I thought I was trapped. I had no way out. I didn't have an escape. And I thought, why try, you know? I literally just didn't want to live anymore, you know? I just, I was like, 
I need to leave, but there's no way he'd ever let me leave. And uh, then I graduate from high school. And I would like to also add a note where my graduation, my prom, which I've been looking forward to my, ever since I was like in grade eight, you can say. Every single memory, including my high school graduation, my prom, my birthdays, my dad always made it a point to know, to make, to make sure that since I really cared about these events, that he would make them terrible for me, you know? Like, for example, I remember after my high school graduation the next morning, he got angry about uh, why I misplaced my phone because apparently I could never have my phone on me uh, when I'm downstairs. So uh, he got really angry because I freaked out. I told him like, no, my phone isn't with me. And then he went checking for it around the house and he didn't find it. So he found that it was right next to me. And uh, that day, uh, which was the next day after my high school graduation and the day of my prom, he starts beating me like there's no tomorrow, you know? And I just don't understand why it's such a big deal for me to just, a 16-year-old, to have her phone next to her. And I was a teenager, like everyone around that age would want their phone around and just to talk to their friends, just, you know, like be on social media. And also, I would like to point out another story, actually, concerning the whole phone situation. Um, senior year of high school, um, I was, uh, it was a Saturday, I think, and I just finished my SATs. And uh, the next day, I had an exam at school. So I, I don't know, I was sitting and uh, my friends were talking to me and I was answering back. And uh, we had a senior group, actually. And the entire class was on that senior group. Like we were 150 students. And um, I had a classmate actually that uh, she failed a grade and she stayed behind. So now she was graduating with us and her English wasn't exactly perfect, you know? So, um, and people around like the classroom would always, especially the guys, they would always tease her about it. They'd always make fun of her. And uh, so she would very like, very often just go at it on the group chat, you know? She'd start like calling people out and saying saying some things. And I remember there was this one, she wrote a really long paragraph that night actually. And she was saying some things that in English and Arabic, but in Arabic, like the English kind of typing. And um, I understood the English part, but some of the, some of the things like that she wrote in Arabic, like, in English, but Arabic slang, you yeah, can say. Yeah. I didn't understand. For example, I didn't know what penis was in Arabic, you know? So I I thought it was just grammatical, gra- grammatic mistakes, you know? Grammar mistakes, sorry. And no, I thought you know, her English wasn't great. So I was like, you know, I understood the English part. And then I go to my a separate group chat with my my very close friends. And I go like, you know, how rude is she to go on a group chat and say these things in front of everyone, you know, from and that I was saying that from what I understood from that message. You from know? the English part of yeah. that message. Yeah. So I, I was saying like, you know, it's really rude and she shouldn't have said that and stuff like that. And my dad walks into the room and uh, he goes like, you have an exam tomorrow. Why aren't you studying? 
I go like um, out of fear. I go like, oh, I was just checking the buyer group because I know that if I tell him, oh, I'm talking to my friends, the first thing that's going to happen is my phone's going to be taken away. So uh, I tell him, oh, I was checking the buyer group. He's like, why are you laughing on the buyer group? I'm like, oh, they were just saying that they might fail it tomorrow. You know, it's going to be a really hard exam. He goes like, okay, give me your phone. I go like, all right, I give him my phone. Uh, 20 minutes pass and he found that message on the senior group. And he found the messages that I say to my friends. And I think what she said was very inappropriate, very disrespectful. And he comes down full of rage. I've never, I don't remember seeing my dad mad at me the same way ever. The first thing he does is he slaps me and he tells me, what is this? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, what is this? And he's pointing at the girl's message. I go like, I don't know, this is a girl in my class and people keep teasing her and she said what she said, you know. I, I don't, like, Asan, it's ktirim kassar, like, it's very English, Arabic, and I didn't understand the full extent of it, but, you know, I realized that what she did was wrong, and I, even, if you want, you can check, I actually told my friends that I don't know the girl, I'm not friends with her, she's not mm-hmm. in my friends group, but I just disagree with what she did, and then he, he starts screaming at me, he's like, why would you state your opinion, um, why, who cares about your opinion, and uh, he starts hitting me, he goes like, how are you on a group like this? And I'm like, this is a senior group. Everyone's on it. 150 people are on it. This is where all the senior updates are on, like where when's the graduation, where are we hosting it? It was just a group chat, you know? It, like, what's the issue, right? Uh, so he goes like, how do you know people that speak that way? And he starts hitting me like there's no tomorrow. I wore glasses at the time. And because of how in, like how hard he punched me, the glasses broke on my face and he didn't care. He just kept punching and punching and hitting and slapping and it wouldn't stop. And I'm really thinking there, like, what did I do, though? You know, and not till later, not till maybe a week later that I understood what penis was in Arabic. I didn't even know the full extent of how bad her message was. And I was getting beaten. I was, got, I was getting beaten up over it for no reason. I, what did I do, you know? And I, after that, again, no remorse. My dad, whenever he got the chance, you know, whenever like I said the tiniest comment or anything, he would go ahead and go like, oh, like, you know, and he would start hitting me again and again and again. And for two months after that, um, my schedule was basically no phone, no nothing, just going to school, studying, coming back, sleeping, actually crying myself to sleep, and then waking up and again. And I remember going to school the next day and everyone's asking me, why why are there scratches on my face? Why are there bruises on my face? And all I could say was, oh, I fainted and I fell down the stairs. And I I don't know, honestly, if it was out of respect that no one pushed further, but you don't get those bruises. Respect? Respect for you. Yeah, respect mm. for me to not push further, you know, but I, I knew that no one would believe that that was something from falling down the stairs, you know. Did the school administration ever ask you anything no, about your face? No, because sadly we live in, in the Arab region. They don't, they don't really ask questions. They never, Hatta when my sister went to the ER, they never really asked 
what happened like this isn't you being on a bicycle and falling down this 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 clearly something more and no one would ever ask no one cared to ask and everyone looked the other way because everyone normalizes it yeah in bec- our region yes and that's that's the issue that's the bigger issue so ever since i got my acceptance to come to lebanon i've been waiting for the moment to finally leave you know like i've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the day that i get to graduate because i couldn't leave anytime sooner because i didn't have the means to put myself through university so ever since i've been waiting just for the right moment which is hopefully in a month to find a job and just leave to leave all of this behind because i know this isn't a life I know that it's going to be extremely hard over the next few years of my life. I'm barely going to be making ends meet. And I know that if I were to live with my parents, I would have everything I want, you can say materialistically, but I know I know I wouldn't want to live anymore if I go back there. And on- honestly, it is a very ballsy move to say that I'm just going to up and leave, you know, especially that my dad, there's a good probability that he might go after me or try to find me, you know. And um, in Jordan, actually, it's um, it, you're not a murderer if you honor kill your daughter or your sister or your mother. You know, it's uh, labeled as you killed someone in anger, so you don't get to be a murderer. Oh. And that, that you know, I, I was I was told by my father uh, one time when we were in Jordan and there was a small, like, issue going on at home. Yeah, a disagreement. He told me, if I drag you by the hair right now to the middle of the street and I kill you in front of all these people, you know, no one would dare to move, would dare to move, try to help you. And I knew that was true. And the fact that it is true, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I just feel it's wrong in every sense of way because just because this man is my father doesn't mean he owns me, doesn't mean I'm a slave to him. And he makes it a point to always point it out that I'm his property. I can't move a finger. I can't make a decision without him gi- giving me the okay. He told me, he was like, if you want to try traveling right now, try. But if I don't say okay, you can't leave. And that's the kind of manipulation that he keeps playing with. He keeps playing on the nerve of without me, you can't go anywhere. So don't even try to think about it. And honestly, bad Majid al I I really grew up. I saw that the world isn't like that. It doesn't have to be like that. There's a lot of people that have a case like mine, but it doesn't have to be like that. And it it is a very hard decision. And I know there is going to be a price to pay in a sense that I would have to sacrifice a little bit in every sense to make ends meet. But I'm okay with that as long as I get to go to bed every night, not feeling afraid feeling a little bit at peace, feeling like I can, in a very small way, control my life, you know? Feel like I'm in control. My entire life, you know, I would always be scared, like Anjad. I grew up really knowing how to lie, 
because I was continuously scared to just say the truth, even though it was a very simple truth, you know? Like, hatta till today, you know, my dad calls sometimes at very random timings. And when he calls, like, because he always makes you feel like you're committing a crime. Yeah. There's something you're doing and it's wrong. Like, literally, whenever my I see my dad, um, like, the name on my phone and my phone is ringing I would panic like I would literally feel like my heart's about to like stop because he would be like what are you doing and he'd start screaming it out it's like literally every single day when I have to call him because actually I have to call him every single night to tell him that um, my day was very uh, normal I sat in my room all day I studied and I ate this is what I'm allowed to do on a daily basis. I'm not allowed to leave my room. I'm not allowed to go to my friend's house that live in the same building right down the hall. I'm just expected to stay in a room 24-7, study, eat, sleep. That's it. And anything else is frowned, frowned upon, you know? And not only frowned upon, like I would get a haital and bahdale, you know, if I dared to say anything else, you know? So every single day before I get to call him to say goodnight, I just, I'm constantly looking at my phone because I'm so scared that if he calls and I don't answer, I know it would get so much worse for me. Like there was this once I was showering and uh, my phone was obviously not in the bathroom. And then I come out and apparently 10 minutes before I finished my shower, my dad wanted to call me. And because I was in the shower, I did not hear my phone ring. And I come out and I see 27 missed calls in the span of 10 minutes. And then I call him back and he's screaming at me. And keep in mind, this wasn't in the middle of the night. It was literally a Saturday at like 12 p.m. It was midday, you know. He starts going, he starts screaming and he goes like, where are you? What are you doing? And show me what you're doing right now. And I show him that I just came out of the shower, you know. And he was like, you keep your phone on you 24-7. I don't care if you're in the toilet. I don't care if you're sleeping. I don't care if you're taking a shower. I don't care if you're eating. Anytime I call, you answer the phone and you see what I want. There were more than one uh, occurrence, actually, uh, that... After I would call him goodnight, he would he would be suspicious. You know, he, he would have that unsettling feeling in his heart. So he waits like 10, 15 minutes and then he calls just to see that, oh, like I didn't go out without him knowing or I don't know, I'm sitting with my friends or really like uh, the other day I was sitting, I was calling him saying goodnight and uh, I don't live in on the floor alone. I have five other um, residents residents on my floor. And uh, one of them was in the corridor and he, they were with friends and everything and they were loud. They were loud. So, so you can hear talking from the I corridor. can hear I can hear uh, talking from my room. Okay. So he goes like, do you have any guests over? I'm like, no, uh, it's just one of my neighbors is in the corridor and they're just talking. It's just salt busal lande. And then he goes like, okay. And then he closes the phone and he waits 15 minutes. And I I knew it when he 
closed the phone, I knew he was going to call again. I had a feeling. I was like, this this doesn't end there. He doesn't just go like, okay. Yeah. So 15 minutes later, he calls and he goes like, I was like, I'm pretty tired. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm falling asleep. He goes like, okay, uh, send me a picture of your fridge. Send me a picture of your kettle. Uh, I just want to see how they look like because, you know, you're a senior now and you'd have to sell them before you leave. I'm like, okay, but now? He's like, yeah, now. So obviously, I th- the next 30 minutes, I was taking a picture of different angles from that fridge and kettle because, you know, the first thing is I've been trained to think like him, you yeah. know? I've I've been groomed to think like him. You so expect what he wants before you even ask. Yeah. Uh, because I know the first thing that's going through his head is maybe she already had a picture of her fridge. So let me ask for different angles. Mm-hmm. And so all these years, I've been trained to basically be able to live my life as much as I can. But also keep in mind that at 9.30 p.m. on the dot, I have to call him to say goodnight. If I'm five minutes early, what's going on? Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, what were you doing? He is very specific on timings. He's very specific. Um, and I'm currently doing an internship. If by 5.20, I haven't texted to say that I'm home, my, my phone wouldn't stop ringing, you know? And he always feels like he needs to feel in control. He always needs to know my every move. And that's what he asks every single day. What did you do today? Tell me in specifics. But you have a plan to leave. Yeah, I how, do. How did it come about? How did you feel like, how did you get the guts to do it? Honestly, um, out of my mom and my sister and myself, I was the only one Um, that had this mentality because actually I had to grow up at a very young age and really understand what violence means and really understand what sadness means and depression and anxiety, a lot of that actually. And I had to deal with it a lot when I was in university because even though I'm not in the abusive home, it still catches up to you. You still see it in nightmares. You still remember these things because these things never go away. Like there were so many days that where I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I like, even though I'm awake, I can see the same scenario over and over and over again. And I wouldn't be able to make it stop, you know? And these scenarios would always be the violence that I either faced or I saw my mom, my sister go through. So you took a stance. So I decided that's it, you know, even though I will be suffering over the next few years, even though this comes with a very big price because I would not be able to talk to my mom and my sister because they're still with them. Uh, Because I'm not allowed to actually, even today, while the relationship to him is normal, uh, I'm not allowed to talk to my mom or my sister without him being present because, as he says, there are no secrets in this house. Whatever you have to say to them, you can say in front of me. I can't talk to my sister and my mom privately. There is, There can't be one subject where I would feel comfortable sharing with them and not with you. No, he doesn't understand that concept. 
uh, actually there would be a lot of instances where I'd be talking to my mom downstairs or my sister downstairs and you'd see him walk very slowly, very quietly to just listen in on what we're talking about. You know, or he'd be like, you know, we'd be like, you know, like you scared us, you know, he'd walk very like quietly and he'd be like, oh, I didn't notice you guys didn't hear me come in the room. You know, he always felt the need to always know every single detail. And even if like Masan once I uh, it slipped my it slipped like, you know, slipped your mind. It, no, it slipped. And you know, while I was talking to my oh, dad it slipped out. Yeah, it slipped out. You know, I know I'm very cautious about what I say in front of my father. Yeah. You know, I always tailor the truth to exactly what he would want to hear and what would be acceptable. So there's this once that I go like, you know, eh, ma kint Lebanon, while I was in the elevator. And uh, I was actually stuck there for like a good 10 minutes, you know. Uh, that was that was a little scary, but it wasn't it wasn't an issue. And then he just pauses and he looks at me. He goes like, you never told me this. I'm like, oh, I didn't like in that moment, I got really scared. I'm like, shit, like, how did this, how did this come out of my mouth? You know, why did I slip up? And I go like, it wasn't a big deal. It, it, you know, every day in Lebanon multiple times, you know, there was this once, it said a bit, you know, I was in the elevator. And he was like, yeah, but I talk to you every single day and I ask you every single day and I make it a point to ask you every single day what happened with you. Why haven't you ever mentioned this? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It happened a year ago. I didn't think it was important. It was during the day and... I don't know. It must have slipped my mind. I it, 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 it's not that I purposefully didn't tell you. Yeah. You know. It just I don't know. I forgot to tell you. I'm sorry. He goes like, uh, oh well. I wonder what else you haven't told me. I wonder what else you're hiding. And that sentence in specific really scares me because it reminds me of senior year. It reminds me of how. Um, whenever he felt like he was the tiniest bit out of control. He would be like, I wonder what else you're hiding. And that means I didn't have my phone. I didn't have any kind of privilege for the next two months. So, yeah. I wish you the best of luck from now until whenever you feel like you need it. But it seems to me that you have enough brains and enough courage and enough guts. Yeah, uh, thing is, the only reason I came here today is because I know I'm not the only one going through something like this. And I know um, a lot of people can be like my sister. She's scared to leave. She's scared to take that move. She, she's, She's been brainwashed. I've been brainwashed, you know, in that situation because he makes you believe you can't leave. He yeah. makes you believe that there's no way out and you wouldn't want a life without him because you have nowhere else to go and no one would care for you no one would take care of you he genuinely believes that he's the best kind of father there is out there yeah you know um and i just hope that someone listens to this that is going through what i'm going through or something similar and just really sees that there's there's a way out there is you you will have to suffer a bit it doesn't come on a silver platter but it's better than what we're going through right now it has to be. This can't be it. That is true. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. I have nothing further to add. I think you've said enough to last a lifetime. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.